millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. On this episode, we discuss MLS making their first moves in hiring commentators for the Apple broadcasts. We've got the details on US soccer heading to HBO Max. Plus, we've got some breaking news, kind of. We'll, we'll wait and see on that one. We'll get a context perspective uh, shortly. And, of course, we discuss the coverage of the FIFA World Cup. Uh, plus, we have letters from you in our listener mailbag segment. My name is Christopher Harris, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, we're going to go just jump straight into the news and we will come back and discuss certainly the, the television coverage and, and uh, other types of coverage of the World Cup. But the first part of the news is that uh, Turner Sports is ready to begin their uh, foray into U.S. soccer. Turner Sports's eight-year deal with U.S. soccer kicks off on January the 17th when HBO Max will stream the friendly between USA uh, the women's team and New Zealand, and that game kicks off at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the friendly's being played, I believe, in Auckland, I think, in, in New Zealand. It's part of the deal that runs through 2030 that includes U.S. women and U.S. men's games, plus the the uh, U.S. Open Cup. However, games will only be on HBO Max for a short length of time because of the uh, as of the spring of 2023, HBO HBO Max will be no more. Uh, and it's expected that games will uh, air on uh, TNT as well as the brand new streaming service from Warner Discovery, which will be named Max. Yes, Max. HBO Max will then cease to exist. Um, they've just released a trailer uh, and we're recording this. Um, so we've just released a trailer and you can see that at worldsoccertalk.com, which has uh, HBO Max and Turner Sports promoting its coverage of the U.S. soccer team. So, Kartik, um, first of all, what do you think about the name Max for, for the, new, the new service? Honestly, I kind of uh, assumed it would be called that because uh, there has to be, could it be HBO Discovery, Discovery HBO? Max seems to be the, the tagline that they have used with HBO Max from the beginning. Max Originals, Max This, Max That. So I, I assumed... 
if you were going to be nailed down one name for the new service, it would be called that. But then again, maybe Discovery didn't want that because Discovery, uh, the, the this merger has seen Discovery's board members, former board members, and Discovery's investors exert more control over Warner Media or the combined company Discovery Warner uh, than uh, Warner Discovery, excuse me, than I had thought they would actually. So maybe it could have been Discovery Max, but they're going with Max. What I find interesting from the the trailer that they have, it's just a 30-second trailer, but it does give you some insight in terms of how they're presenting the uh, U.S. US soccer, really, the women and the men, is that they mention games will be available on HBO Max and TNT, and there's no mention of TBS. And then last year, um, I know from your reporting, Kartik, um, and from uh, actually, I think probably directly from Turner Sports last year, the position positioned it as in about half of the games uh, would be on uh, uh, TNT or TBS. So that's a change. There's no mention of TBS at all. So it's HBO Max and TNT. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what the what the schedule looks like. How many games end up being on TNT and how many end up being on HBO Max? Uh, if they're or they're, if they're you know, both going to be on there, and the, and then the wrinkle of Max launching in the spring of 2023, um, and then we'll have to wait and see what that price point is for that streaming service. Will they have a a free tier perhaps for with advertising? We'll have to wait and see on that. So lots of things up in the air, and it's it's a new chapter. I mean, it is an eight year deal, um, and it's something that. Uh, Pretty quickly, I think U.S. soccer fans are going to have to get accustomed to this because, yes, it's not going to be every single game. Of course, you mean uh, games in the World Cup will be on uh, Fox and Telemundo in 2026, etc. But there's not a lot of uh, games coming up for U.S. fans to get excited about other than a friendly here or a friendly there, which opens up a whole other conversation about maybe Copa America playing in that or UEFA Nations League, etc., we probably won't go down that rabbit hole, but but still, it is interesting. The other piece of news, Kartik, uh, out is that uh, at worldsoccertalk.com, we have a story about uh, the first few hires that MLS and Apple are making uh, to recruit uh, commentators for their 2023 coverage of MLS, which begins in late February, uh, of course, on MLS Season Pass. And the article goes into a lot more detail, but what we're hearing so far is that there is a an effort definitely by MLS to hire American voices. And um, at the same time, by hiring American voices, there's going to be some British announcers that live and work in the United States that are not going to be selected. What's your take on this, Kartik? I want to get your, your input on this. I mean, what what should MLS do? Should they... What's your perspective? What type of uh, commentators should they hire? This is is part of a a, a global movement to make uh, football more indigenous in individual countries. Because you've you've heard a lot of talk during this FIFA uh, World Cup that uh, the African nations and Asian nations, with the exception of, uh, I guess the exception with Asia would be South Korea. But the successful African and Asian nations have all had these uh, uh, native coaches, right? These managers that are uh, Moroccan, or although uh, he's actually was born in France, like much of the Moroccan team. But Moroccan or, or, or uh, Senegal had, uh, in, in the case of uh, uh, their case, a great legendary player from the 2002 team managing them in Ghana and Japan. So this is 
part of that, right? The U.S. Uh, U.S. broadcasters insisting on more American voices when historically the game in this country has been largely called by accented voices, whether it was British or Scottish or, or uh, maybe continental European. Uh, am I comfortable with it? Uh, not really. I, I, I still believe in a meritorious-based process. But understand this isn't limited to the United States. This is a global thing that is happening in this sport, which has been uh, uh, typified in this in this uh, FIFA World Cup that's going on currently. Yeah, that's a great point, Kartik, because this is a product that is a global deal. This is an Apple global deal. So no matter where you live in, in the world, you will hear these announcers calling these games. And I mean, for these announcers, it'd be strange if you were living in, I don't know, Germany, and you were watching a game of MLS, and you were hearing... Uh, English or British announcers calling that game. However, on the opposite point of view is that you want to make sure you have the top quality commentators. You want to make sure that uh, these commentators are not going to be ridiculed or laughed at or making some really basic mistakes and be the laughing stock of, of, of the international uh, soccer fan base or, or media. Um, so I, I, it's hard, right? Because I think the article I wrote this morning at worldsoccertalk.com goes into more detail. But my take on this is that in the past, say, 10 years, there haven't been a lot of games for new Americans, soccer commentators to commentate on. So if you're in Europe, there's games almost every day. Someone like like a, uh, Gary Taphouse, who's a, a Premier League uh, commentator, but also does Europa League, also does... Uh, you mean FA Cup, does championship. So on, on a normal weekly basis, he's probably working about five days out of those seven. I mean, doing games every day. Uh, and if you're living in the United States, if you're an MLS commentator, for example, you might do one game a week. Or maybe it's one game every two weeks because, uh, you mean, one of those weeks it's an away game and you're not calling that game. So there's less uh, reps, basically, uh, opportunities for reps to get that experience in. So as a result, I don't think there's a lot of really good U.S. soccer commentators coming through the system. There are some good ones, and not all of them have American voices. Uh, some do, some don't. Some have you know Spanish language, kind of a, a Hispanic accent, and, which is great. But what MLS might be looking for is something that's more American. And it, they may not be the best commentators in the business. You mean, sometimes they are. But what's an American accent? This is another uh, kind of confusing thing because there is a there are different dialects in the United States, and I, uh, as someone who's lived most of my life in the South, feel like American broadcasters have been very biased, uh, really blatantly biased against anyone with a Southern accent. That's an American accent, but I bet you won't hear much of that on the Apple TV coverage. Uh, same thing with maybe a, a New England uh, accent, right? A, a very heavy Bostonian or. or, or uh, New Hampshire, Maine accent. So uh, even within the American accents, and I think, Chris, this is the case in Britain too, it's much harder to get hired at a British broadcaster if you have a thick Lancashire accent or you're from uh, the northeast of the country and, and, and have maybe a Geordie accent. So I, I don't even know that it's American accents. It's like this neutral kind of, 
I don't know, Midwestern sounding accent, I guess is what they're looking for. Yeah, the funny thing about this Kartik is that a lot of people in the UK, for example, where I, I grew up and was born, uh, think that there's only one American accent. They, they all sound the same. And it's the same thing for a lot of Americans living in the United States, of course, when people come up to me and say, hey, you have a British accent. Um, you, you guys all sound the same. I'm like, no, you can go like even every 20 miles, you could have a completely different accent in the UK versus the US, where it's, it, you definitely have different accents, but it's more uh, spread out. But yeah, it, it, it is the big question is like, what is the right accent? There, there is no right accent. To me, at the end of the day, it should be whoever's best for the job within the budget. And, and that's the other question, too, about this Apple MLS de- deal is that they're spending so much money on the production. How much money do they have available to hire you know, big name talent? Uh, do, are, are they going to look at this as something where this be cost effective? Let's, let's hire some young talent uh, and let's nurture them. Let, let's grow them. Let, let's make them into those big time uh, MLS announcers that may end up doing the World Cup in the future in 2026 and commentating for Fox Sports or, or Telemundo. So there, there's an opportunity here for MLS and Apple to do really a good job at, at kind of growing that those, fa- those those commentators. The strange thing about that, though, too, Kartik, is that they're not going to be really attached to teams right? on the local basis. There's not going to be that lo- local regional sports network feel to it. So, um, yeah, this is a whole new can of worms uh, for MLS to go through. The, the last piece of news, uh, and this is a big one, Kartik, and I'm not sure if you, you saw this, but Andrew Marchand, um, Marchand who's a, uh, a sports TV analyst and does a lot of work uh, on the Sports Business uh, Journal podcast um, and, and other places too, uh, news, newspapers, etc. Today was uh, sharing his analysis about the MLS linear TV deal. So here we are. Well, it's uh, almost mid-December, and uh, the, the season starts for MLS in 2023. At this very moment, MLS does not have a TV deal for 2023. It has the 10-year the Apple deal. Uh, Marchand's um, analysis is that he doesn't think that ESPN's going to go and, and bid on the rights. He feels that ESPN Plus, uh, being a streaming destination, um, you mean a lot of the focus on, through uh, ESPN is on ESPN Plus, but he feels that in many ways that why should um, why should ESPN go ahead and broadcast MLS games, which in a way is is actually selling Apple TV subscriptions to the MLS season pass. So it looks likely, based on his analysis, is that ESPN is not going to be in for MLS TV rights, and he believes that. 2023 onwards, it's going to be Fox. Fox and FS1 is going to have MLS uh, TV rights, and then the rest of it's going to be on Apple TV. So, based on that news, Kartik, what's uh, it, even if it, if it becomes true? What's your take on that? Yeah, I watched uh, Marshan's uh, little video he posted to Twitter a couple hours ago. Uh, we're taping this, by the way, Wednesday morning, uh, the 7th. So uh, he had posted it sometime around 7, 7.30, and I saw it uh, bef- before we started recording. I uh, I think it's logical. That's what I had been saying all along, that once ESPN Plus was cut out, uh, because that's uh, something where ESPN uh, – 
especially if a match is on ESPN, on a linear network, they want to also stream it sim- simultaneously on ESPN Plus or on uh, uh, ESPN3, right? But, but more and more, they're putting that stuff on Plus. I mean, you're, you're, you're able to uh, access some of this stuff without a cable, uh, a cable subscription or satellite subscription. I, I felt like because Apple had this exclusivity, that unless Apple itself agreed to some sort of cutout of those specific matches, ESPN would not go forward. That actually, my premise was refuted by people I spoke to. Uh, sources I spoke to said, no, that's not true. Uh, they'll still take the linear, uh, 30 linear games or 20 linear games, whatever, a, a season. Uh, but this kind of confirms my, maybe it's confirmation bias for me, Chris. Uh, quite frankly, I'll be uh, honest with the listeners about this. But this kind of confirms my hunch all along, that this is how it would go. So, yeah, my reaction is I, I think he's accurate. I think he's right. Yeah, for ESPN, I mean, what's the incentive in acquiring the rights to MLS games previously it would have been a way to get rights to u.s soccer games both on the women and men's where the deal was combined with uh, mls games but now that that has been split and now that we see that turner sports have the rights to u.s soccer and, and that money goes directly then to u.s soccer rather than to soccer united marketing that splits it with mls that splits it with uh, u.s soccer there's no incentive, in my opinion, for ESPN to go after those rights for MLS. Fox is a little bit different. I mean, Fox has um, a lot of talent that is MLS talent. I mean, basically, John Strong, Rob Stone, Alexi Lalas. We'll get into those a little bit later. But also, in addition to that, too, of course, um, Fox has the rights to the 2026 uh, World Cup, as well as other tournaments, too, right? The Women's World Cup and the Euros. So it, it, in a way, it's almost like to, they need it to, to keep their talent busy, to keep them occupied. You mean to, you mean otherwise they're going to have nothing really much to cover except for every maybe six months they'll, they'll have something there. Uh, but the other part of it too is that they want to kind of continue that relationship with the U.S. soccer audience, and MLS is a good way to do that. And 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 also too, I mean, in a way, I mean, twenty twenty three, we should see some major differences with MLS. Uh, we should see some major signings We, I mean, in, in the transfer markets. I mean, obviously, there's been some major players announced, or mentioned, rumored. We'll see. So, um, so for Fox, they could actually live off those coattails a little bit and uh, be kind of the, basically, the beneficiary of some big name signings that they're going to help boost their, their TV ratings with MLS. So... So that could be something that for Fox, and we saw that too, even during the coverage of the World Cup on Fox, uh, one of the mornings they had an interview with Don Garber. I mean, so it's like they're still in good, I mean, why would Don Garber be on a broadcast of the World Cup uh, other than to talk about MLS? So they're, they're still kind of cozying up that relationship and probably working out those final, those last details. I'm sure MLS is probably hoping that another TV broadcaster comes in and says, hey, we'll take some of those those games too whether it's Turner Sports or others, but then Turner Sports, uh, Discovery have a lot of issues in terms of financing, and, and I mean they've had some major, major cuts, and the timing isn't good. So, so if ESPN is out of MLS, Kartik, what does this mean for people like John Champion and Taylor Twellman? Well, I don't know what it means in general, because part of the fascination around this World Cup for me, has been how ESPN 
covers it on ESPN FC, knowing that uh, the, see the last uh, World Cup, they knew they had the Euros coming up, so there was still sort of an international tournament feel and and uh, maybe you know, prep for for Euro twenty twenty, which of course was postponed until twenty twenty one because of the pandemic. But this time. Knowing they've lost the Euros, knowing they're probably losing MLS, uh, knowing that their their soccer model now is based around uh, 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 La Liga, Bundesliga, and promoting Wrexham FC, right? Yeah. Quite frankly, yeah. Um, that it, it just feels like okay, they're giving us superior bumper coverage, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in the next segment. But um, maybe they don't need the commentators that they previously had. Ian Dark calling matches for Fox uh, and talking about La Liga pretty uh, with, with uh, great skill during these broadcasts, uh, including Morocco-Spain match, uh, because uh, he is calling La Liga for ESPN at the same time as he's been released for a major international tournament may be a tell. Maybe that's what you see is John Champion uh, released for major international tournaments. Taylor Twelman... Uh, released for major international tournaments, etc. if they want to work for Fox or work for an international broadcast. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, for me, I think it's one of those things that I think, uh, I mean, John Champion moved to the United States for a better way of life. And also at the same time, I mean, for him himself and his family, but also at the same time to be ESPN's lead soccer commentator, which is a big deal. It's it's a major role. But having lost the Euros, presumably losing MLS, which John did, I mean, weekly games uh, of MLS games, I think it's most likely that he goes to Apple. Uh, that Apple and MLS do a deal that to, to have John Champion be the commentator there. 
Taylor Swellman, I'm not so sure about because um, obviously his analysis is always, I mean, in my opinion, and, and I, I know you share it, Kartik, too, it has been really good. Um, I don't know. Taylor Taylor could, could go to many different places. Maybe he stays with ESPN. I mean, it's definitely a, an ESPN family feel where sometimes he's on other broadcasts talking about other sports. It's not just soccer. Um, but John Champion, I would imagine an Apple deal would be very, very likely. All right, Kartik, <laughs> we've talked a lot of news. Uh, let's talk about uh, television coverage of the uh, well, actually t- television coverage, streaming coverage, radio coverage of the World Cup 2022. W- where do you want to start? I guess the logical place to start, because it's what our listeners want to talk about, I think, the most is Fox's coverage. All right. So I've got a question for you. So my question to you is, uh, having seen Fox's coverage, of course, of the World Cup, who for you on the daytime studio set is, who who would you consider are the most knowledgeable about world soccer? Only Alexi Lawless. So no Stu Holden? Oh, no, no, he's uh, he's not on this. Okay, yeah. Holden is the most knowledgeable, for sure. And I, I was going to get to that when we talked about uh, commentary in matches, because well, maybe I'll get to it right now. I feel like the John Strong-Stu Holden combination is actually now becoming a replacement for the studio, because they're talking about topics and themes and uh, b- uh, storylines uh, and, and backstories that they're not talking about in the studio, even though traditional television coverage means you talk about that in the studio, and then you call a match uh, just to call a match. Yeah, it's actually turned out to be the inverse with Fox, where Strong and Holden are giving me the analysis and giving me the backstories on a lot of the uh, players and teams and managers, and I'm not getting any of that from the studio. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's interesting you mentioned that too, because I think in many ways that should, shouldn't be their jobs. I mean, John Strong and Stu Holden to kind of, you mean, kind of make up for the lack of knowledge shared during the studio set by trying to cram it into a commentary to me i mean i think in many ways Stu holden should not be commentating games he should be on the set he should be the yeah Yeah. kind of the studio uh main main focus him sharing his knowledge dropping his knowledge uh lalas lalas i think in many ways i don't think he's that knowledgeable about soccer kartik i think he does his homework I don't think he watches world soccer as much as some people think he does, but he's he's effectively a troll. You mean a troll, which for television works really well. He's the guy that will go ahead and you mean this highs. You mean he will he will argue points. He will have contrarian viewpoints. He will speak his mind, and sometimes more so on social media, but sometimes on television too. He's just taking those thoughts and those ideas just, be, just to try to create good television. Yeah, well, at least he's doing that much because, uh, like, I think Clint Dempsey has done no research into the into the teams. I think Kelly Smith is clearly not watching anything uh, outside of maybe England, uh, English players and American players. It's, it's really bad. And Rob Stone is more uninformed as a studio host now than he was four years ago. So I, I, I maybe it's because he's calling college football and college basketball all the time and not paying attention uh, to, to world football. Even when they had the Bundesliga rights, it was Kate Abdo or Ian Joy hosting that. But uh, it, it starts with a studio host who's completely uninformed and asks the wrong questions. 
Yeah, how bad is Clint Dempsey? I mean, he was good when he made that debut for CBS Sports uh, for the, well, there's a CONCACAF uh, Nations League, I think it was, or CONCACAF Cup, whatever it was. Uh, he was good there because he was able to, I, I think he was had people around him that could talk about the U.S. men's national team and debate it and discuss it. But outside of the U.S. men's national team, or even within the U.S. men's national team, I mean, his analysis, I think, and his opinions are just like so mediocre. Uh, mediocre. It's just, it, it's appalling. So maybe John Strong should be the studio host. Quite frankly, yeah. I mean, we've yeah, yeah. seen him in the past host studios on uh, NBC Premier League back in the. I think the first season they had the Premier League, right? He was the he he was the one who swapped in for Rebecca Lowe, and then he signed a contract with Fox. Uh, and we've seen him at times with Fox because actually the way he commentates a game, which isn't necessarily my cup of tea, but I'm growing to it because Fox is doing such a bad job with their uh, bumper coverage that uh, Strong is giving a lot of context that is not being given in the studio. And he and he is very knowledgeable. Uh, I know there are people who may think he's just an MLS guy, but he is, he is very knowledgeable about world football. Even South Korea the other day, uh, he knew a, a fair amount about the guys who play in Europe. Uh, granted, he didn't know much about the other guys, but he knew a lot about the guys who play in Europe, and, and Holden is obviously up on that stuff too, so it was like getting the studio, honestly, during the match commentary, and then you go to the studio after, and you're like, why am I going to watch this garbage? <laughs> well, the, the funny thing about this one too, Kartik, is that, um, so for the first week of uh, coverage of the World Cup, I watched uh, Fox 12 hours a day, I mean, did the sacrifice, made it through one week, and then after that... Uh, and I mentioned this in the last podcast, but after that, I've been watching Telemundo, uh, basically through Peacock, watching uh, the games in Spanish on Peacock uh, and turning down the volume sometimes and then listening to BBC Radio 5 Live and then just syncing up the audio and listening to that or sometimes changing it back and actually turning up the volume on Telemundo and just sitting back and just enjoying the commentary, enjoying the goal calls, enjoying the passion of it. So for the first for the first week was uh, Fox, second week was been basically Peacock, uh, and then some BBC Radio Five Live. The funny thing though is is that Stu Holden has made some appearances on BBC Radio Five, uh, doing giving giving his analysis, and he sounds so good on radio. <laughs> I, I mean, to me, he, he sound, like to me that's a perfect example of why he should be on the set. Why I mean, basically. I don't think they're going to kick Lalas off the, the set, but but basically put Stu Holden in the center role, kick, kick Dempsey out, and have Stu Holden provide his analysis because he does know a lot about the game. He does watch world soccer. You can tell. I mean, he's a part owner of a, a club in La Liga. He's definitely very worldly. And then listening to his analysis on BBC Radio 5 Live, he sounds great. It sounds like, wow, really some great analysis there. And I'm not hearing that, or I wasn't hearing that on Fox during the first week because he was commentating most of the games. And sometimes he did go on set and, and give some analysis on the studio. The other person I would add to this too, Kartik, in my opinion, is um, Modu. However, Modu, I, I think, has a good knowledge of the game and some good opinions. However, they have him on the late night set. So you hardly ever see him. So sometimes he does appear on the daytime set. But both Mo Adu and Stu Holden should be the stars on the studio, so it actually makes the studio coverage watchable. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. First up is Chris Guardino. He says, uh, Hi, guys. Uh, when it comes to Fox's coverage of the World Cup so far, 
It has been poor at best. The only thing that I have liked about Fox so far is Ian Dark and Derek Ray on commentary. Everything else has been uh, terrible, and it, it's the worst coverage of a sporting event since the first year of NBC's NHL coverage back in 2006, in my view. The biggest issue I have with them is the total lack of analysis and critical takes from the studio panel. I hope that the 2026 World Cup is the absolute last one that Fox covers and is replaced by either ESPN, CBS, or NBC in 2030. Bill sales, says... Um, I don't always watch the Fox broadcast of the World Cup, but when I do, I watch the games where Jackie Oatley is the lead commentator. She's been fantastic. Sign her up, Apple TV. Ben says, hey, guys, I actually want, wanted, uh, needed a break from hearing the same World Cup games broken down. And the pod this, this past week was so welcome and hit the spot. I have watched minimal Fox coverage, have been watching on Peacock or finding British uh, or world streams. For analysis, I always go to my regular ESPN FC, which has been very good. But especially with the World Cup, I've been tuning out of ESPN FC for the daily analysis of games and instead watching or listening to the end of day streams from the TIFO guys, as well as the Totally Footy Show, uh, both via YouTube and podcasts. Kyle says, uh, why has soccer commentating been so biased, not just Fox with the U.S. national team, but in general? For the World Cup, especially during the U.S. national team games, I get it. But the overwhelming bias in games I had, I had nothing to do with the U.S. But they somehow make it about them and always talking about we or us when they're supposed to be neutral. That's not right. It was very annoying while the U.S. was playing and it will get even worse in 2026. I notice it's, uh, I know, I notice all, I, I notice that all the time in European coverage as well as. For example, uh, Micah Richards dancing around Man City players and fans when they won the league last year, and um, Neville and Carragher with their bias with Man United and Liverpool. If we, if we wanted cheerleaders, they could be on channels for those respective clubs rather than a national, international broadcast. Greg says, both Carter here on the pod and Chris in his articles about Fox's coverage mention how Lalas is a bright spot, and honestly, I do not get it. He speaks, no, rather he yells in cliches, offers little of value. Agreed with others here that having the on-air talent stand up is not great. For one, Lalas is much taller than everyone else, especially the women, and Donovan, uh, so it looks like really weird to have a, like a giant lurking at the edge of the group. Speaking of Landon Donovan, at halftime of the US-Netherlands game, he had the best analysis and sounded fine when uh, when talking over a highlight reel but live on camera while standing up he looks shy and uncomfortable also agree on the depth of analysis needed post-match uh, for me something a bit more insightful than Lalas, but not necessarily the two Robbies tactics board level though that kind of stuff would be uh, great pre-game I haven't watched any Fox pre-match and not surprised that it's mostly fluff with no tactics or lineup discussion I haven't watched their NFL coverage in years, but that's uh, long been their MO. JP says, I find the need for post-match analysis from diehard fans perplexing. Diehard fans, many readers and listeners uh, to this podcast, can watch a match and see which team is playing better, which players are impacting the match, have their own educated second-guessing of lineup substitution choices, 
the fact that someone like Kartik feels the need to wait and with bated breath for Dan Thomas and crew to tell him something new just doesn't make any sense. JP, on that one too, I think let me just add on that, is that uh, I think part of this is a cultural thing. So a lot of soccer fans from outside of the United States are used to having really in-depth post-match analysis. So, for example, the Sky Sports have a program called Monday Night Football, which is with Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, which goes into infinite detail about games and will analyze exactly what happens in terms of tactics. And it's something, too, for the average viewer that's watching soccer on television, watching a game, it's hard to see all those things happening because it's happening in the moment. You don't have a team of people uh, sitting uh, with you to pull together, you mean, um, mistakes or tactical plays or formations or things that happens. It, there's so much going on, and the game happens so quickly that uh, during a ro- live broadcast, you miss a lot of that information. And that post-match analysis and those post-match opinions, uh, to me, are valuable. So it might be a cultural thing where um, maybe foreign soccer fans crave that and and actually not not even just crave it but also expect that all right next up is uh simasia just because fox is getting good ratings does not mean the coverage is anything other than abysmal it is worse than abysmal two more comments to go uh mercator says if fox had hasn't lost diehard soccer fans after years of butchering mls uh copa america etc They certainly aren't going to lose them over their World Cup coverage this year. They're doing a decent job. Of course, course the pre-match and post-match games are patriotic and light on details. Every broadcaster does this. Uh, The BBC is the same with England, and Telemundo has the same with Mexico. I turned into all three yesterday to try to get a recap and explanation of the Tunisia-France game and got nothing. All were just talking about the US, England, or Mexico. I don't like those puff pieces about a kid from Jersey or whatever uh, either, but this is how the big events are. It's the same with the Super Bowl or the Olympics or the World Series. It's not just intended for actual fans of the sports. Uh, Fox correctly assumes that in 2022, serious fans get their tactics and in-depth discussion from the internet, not from a national broadcast for tens of millions of people who don't know what offside is. Lastly, Dave says Fox is deliberately not tailoring the coverage to experts like you. Viewing data suggests many casual, crossover, English-language U.S. sports fans are taking in some World Cup. Cup. Catering coverage to them is similar to Super Bowl week or March Madness. Uh, Banal and uh, inoffensive by design, Uh, there are many other resources for fans who want to deep dive on technical analysis, geopolitics, controversies, or the like. Yeah, good points there by Dave. And my my take on this is that, yes, those things are true. But, I mean, the way that Fox has gone about it, it's like zero mentions about geopolitics, zero mentions really about the technical analysis for the most part. So you're turning away a significant uh, portion of your viewer viewership, the actual kind of the, the rock, the foundation, the people that keep on coming back. So you're turning off those people in order to get the short-term benefit of attracting the casual fans who, after this World Cup is over, the vast majority, maybe 90% of those people, are not coming back. So that's my take on that. 
All right, listeners, uh, thank you so much for your feedback and comments and questions. Uh, you can reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to read out your comments on air. Uh, there's a f- bunch of different ways you can do that. You can go to the website, worldsoccertalk.com, uh, click on the podcast in the navigation bar, and then find the most recent episode, and then just leave your comments in the comments section there. Or you can go to Twitter and post a tweet. Um, our Twitter address is at World Soccer Talk. Or you can go to facebook.com slash World Soccer Talk. And also you can send an email to us. Uh, at the email address is web at worldsoccertalk.com. Or you can leave a voicemail at 561-247-4625. On behalf of Kartik and myself and everyone at World Soccer Talk, Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with another episode. Enjoy your football.